we have to be careful in this episode that Dad doesn't even got the toilet because he's juice fasting. Yes, I'm juice fasting. Day three, can't wait till it's over though. But I'm impressed with Nick because Nick does ten days. That's incredible. We've not introduced our guest yet, Dad. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Did, did Nick, is Nick the juicer. <laughs> Welcome to the Neil and Now podcast. We are back, episode five, I believe, and we're in full flow. We're having so much fun. I hope you guys listening, viewing, watching at home are enjoying the content. Um, we are here to engage, inspire, and put a smile on your face every single day. My name is Niall Wilson. I'm a gymnast. My name is Neil Wilson. We seem to have lost the middle names now. It's just our first and second name now. Neil Wilson. Niall Michael Wilson. Neil Raymond Wilson. The Raymond. Or you can call me Ray. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got this very, very special guest sat here with us today. He, I feel we are fellow game changers in the sport of gymnastics. His being the coaching side, um, gone from being a personal coach to developed multiple businesses and now into coach education, inspiring coaches across the world. Mr. Nick Ruddock, welcome. Thank you, mate. You? And it's uh, it's Nicholas Simon Ruddock, <laughs> my, my middle name as well. Thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's uh, it's a uh, you know it's cool to be here. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's gonna be fun. I think um, we'll dive into to so many different topics, uh, particularly around gymnastics. I think the main focus will be today. Um, but yeah, do you want to? Just give us a brief overview of, of your story, Nick, what you've done and where you're at today. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm a gymnastics coach, um, began as a recreational gymnast, so didn't have any any performance background or high performance background at all, um, but just sort of organically got into coaching following, a, a, I guess, sort of 10 years as participation gymnast and um, just loved it, you know, found immediately that I was just passionate about, about coaching and fascinated by the sport. And that took me into the world of kind of elite gymnastics. So, you know, dabbled coaching both on the men's side and the women's side. Um, And I was only sort of, you know, I was at college still. So you're talking about 15, 16, 17 years old. And, you know, I was really happy doing that. You couldn't get me out of the gym. And I I knew I wanted more. There was was always that hunger to do something that bit more. And this coincided with uh, the Athens Olympics. So, you know, 2004 Olympics, seeing the American girls and the American team um, really just inspired me. You know, love their style, love their attitude towards performance. So I thought, let's see, let's see if I can get out to the States and, d- and do some learning. And I'm a, I'm a big believer that in order for you to learn a craft, you've got to hang around with people that, you know, are at the top of their game within that industry. So I just, I basically just spent, um, you know, a couple of evenings grabbing some emails off, off Google, firing as many emails as I could, just basically saying, can I come over and volunteer in your gym for a month? I'll, I'll pay for the whole thing myself. I just want to learn. And, and I was really fortunate. I got some great responses. And, um, you know, to cut a long story short, just just basically managed to spend some time out there in the States, rubbing shoulders with some of the, the world's best coaches. And then, you know, everything kind of kicked off from there, really. It it, it opened my eyes to the, the true world of high performance. So, um, you know, that original gym, it was it's owned by Ao and Armine Fong. And from there, I got introduced to Valeri Lukin. And, and from there, you know, just kind of spirals, you know, you get new contacts, you meet new people. And um, yeah, that, that was really the, the, the step into true high performance for me. A total paradigm shift, because up until that point, I'd only seen gymnastics really in my my home gym which was in Woking you know in Surrey and um, they weren't really at a particularly high performance level certainly on the women's side and so you know stepping into those American gyms and being in that environment for me was just you know absolutely incredible and um, immediately right there I knew that was what I was going to spend the rest of my life doing yeah as you funny said surround yourself with people and being around people that are good so 
if I want to be a gardener, do I need to spend some time with you, Dad? Uh, I'm your man, definitely. <laughs> and you have had a go at my garden a couple of times, and um, the results have not been that pleasing, to be honest. <laughs> I tried right. to cut the grass once. Um, so, so, so you went from re- recreational to elite. Um, was that? I, I, I've got a question immediately for mm. Phoenix. Do you think that was a natural progression for you? Was that was the once you were in gymnastics and you got a love for the sport? It, the goal. Um, and the thing to aspire to was to be with an elite gymnast and be involved in elite gymnastics. Yeah, I'd say when I first started, uh, like I, I was probably doing 30 hours of recreational coaching. And that, yeah. that was where my passion was to start with. And at that point, I had no aspirations to be involved at the performance end or, you know, the Olympics to me was was not, not in my not in my mindset whatsoever. It was nothing to me. It was just something that we watched on TV. Um, I think what I fell in love with was the progression of of learning. I'm a real lover of learning. So, you know, spending time in the gym, learning new skills, learning how to spot skills, um, learning the methodology and the techniques. That's what I really fell in love with. Mm. And of course, once you do that, that just sort of escalates, you know, the more skills you learn. And, and then I really realized that actually there, there is, there is more to this. There is a whole competitive stream. There is a high performance community. Um, and so it very much organically came around that I ended up within this high performance world but it was never it was never really an ambition of mine early on i didn't i didn't see the olympics and, and all that and think right that's that's definitely what i want to be doing yeah but it, be, it became a natural progression for yeah. you when when you started to and you worked to you worked to british gymnastics as yeah, well yeah that's right so in between me doing these travels with the states i had a, f- a couple of um, different full time positions i was in nottingham at Notts gymnastics for 3 years as a performance coach there um, I spent uh, just a year in Manchester because a, a national coach position came up with British Gymnastics. So I, I spent four years with British Gymnastics between 2010, 2014. And, and my main responsibility there was looking after the, the junior and development end, uh, which, again, is something that I'm really passionate about, you know, the foundations of gymnastics. And um, had a really good run through, had some fantastic results. It was I was the first person in that position for British Gymnastics. So it was a you know British Gymnastics investment in the junior programme. Mm-hmm. Um, so undoubtedly there was going to be a, a spike in results and unfortunately that, you know, more resources coupled with a great generation, you know, your Ellie Downies, your Amy Tinklers, Till Grindles, you know, that generation was and is fantastic. And so we had some really good results culminating in our, our first uh, ever junior European medal, which was in Bulgaria, of course, when they won silver. So, you know, that all of that was just a fantastic journey and, and really good for my development. And then I went back into personal coaching shortly after, um, you know, spending time with primarily with Amy Tinkler for about for about a year after that. Yeah, and she had massive success at the Olympics. Olympic yeah. Games. and so so you you can't uh, this this probably simplifies what you do, but you coach coaches. Correct. Yeah, and I still so, work with athletes. Uh, and since so since my time in employment, if you like, and, and we're going back now, 2015, which is where I, I finished employment. And I went, right, I'm, I'm going solo now. I'm going to be a consultant. Right. So since then, I've been really fortunate. I've worked with 20 international federations from, you know, Japan, Australia, Brazil. I work closely with Germany, the Netherlands, you know, stacks around Europe. And most of that is working primarily with the national team athletes right. and also very much with, with the coaches. And that, that could be from a strategic perspective. So very much, you know, sitting in the room with the performance staff saying, yeah, you've got your eyes on a Tokyo medal. Let's let's really chew the fat off this, and from a strategic perspective. So I spent a lot of time doing that with some of these teams. Um, equally, sometimes I'm, I'm fly in, fly out. It's a couple of days of intense education, and a lot of the times it's a week long training camp as well. So it's um, 
it's, it's a multitude of different things based on the needs of what that federation is. Right. Okay. And of course, I've, I've spun off into that with a, a few different other services. I've got my online um, content, you know, my digital courses and things. I run GymCon, Europe's leading gymnastics conference, which now runs in Australia as well. Next year, we'll be out in the States. So there's a lot of different related services. But yeah, the nuts and bolts of it really is around coach education. That's where I'm massively passionate. Yeah, yeah. So so if you, if you were to, I don't know, Again, I just want to simplify it for, for the conversation. So if Dave was struggling with Niall on a certain move on the high bar, would you work with Niall or Dave or both of them? It depends who would contact me. All oh, right, I, right. So I, if Dave I, says, I can't get him to do it, you'd say, well, yeah. I'd be ringing Nick saying, Dave's rubbish. Nick. I need you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get rid of Dave. You go, go support Dave. Sorry, right. Dave. That, that, that's right. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, the contact, in fact, all the time, the contact will either come from a federation right. or, or a club. So okay. Let's say it's the coach. And uh, yeah, um, I'm there at the end of the day to soften the learning curve for coaches. I mean, it's, it's a massively complex sport to learn to how to, how to teach. So I'm there to, to reduce that learning curve. I think I've got a, a pretty good gift at making complex topics quite simple and I'm able okay. to communicate that well to, yeah. to an audience, whether I'm on stage or on a podcast or you know, sitting in a room with my clients. So that's, that's where I feel I've, I've got some strengths. And at the end of the day, you know, it's easier to read the label when you're outside the bottle, not inside. And I think a lot of coaches, they're so close to their programs, they don't, they don't see maybe some of the obvious opportunities there are to improve what they're doing. It's having that outside perspective, someone come in and say, have you tried doing this? Mm. And a lot of the time there's a lot of oversight because we're, we're so emotionally involved as coaches with, with results and performance and you know the, the daily grind of working with an athlete every single day that sometimes you just miss the obvious stuff. Yeah. And that's where someone like me comes in. Okay, well, I, and I would agree with that based on, on my experience is um, British gymnastics, club level, elite club levels that I, you know, I've been, my experience is very limited. I must call that out. So my experience is being with Niall, being Niall's father, being in and around the sport for 17 years at, you know, at an elite level, at a very, very high level doing the Olympics. And I think, and this is my opinion, people can be too focused on outcome and outcome being medals. So medal drives the behavior. And also people are focused on can you or can't you do the skill, the journey to the skill, but there isn't an awful lot of focus on how you get there in terms of a relationship, how the coach works with the gymnast, how the gymnast <coughs> feels, what they're feeling when they're going through it. Because ultimately, the, the gymnastics tends to be an outcome-focused sport at elite level. Because I'd love to pick your brains about relation. Uh, relation. Not my relationship with Sally's <laughs> relationship. Uh, recreational gymnastics, because... Sure. You know, I, I don't know, and I'm guessing you might have some numbers. Probably 90, 95% of gymnastics is recreational. I don't know. You know, or people, pe all right, people taking part. Yeah. So there tends to be a focus on, let's say, the 1%, then just for argument's sake, somebody might argue that number. And that 1% tends to drive the focus, and the focus is just on outcome. I don't Yeah. Would I think, you agree I think not? What, yeah, 100%. I, back on just slightly away from recreational. Yeah. The, you saw, right about the, the outcome focus and there's so many ego driven coaches and I see it every single day in the, the top level program and I think it's a lot of the coach wants what's best for the coach you know yeah. they want a gymnast with an Olympic medal because it's gonna improve their career because it's it, you know it's gonna give them street cred and I, and I think there's too much of that and too much to see that and then it becomes particularly in a in a team environment quite competitive and quite bitchy and yeah 
and it's, it's difficult to manage as a gymnast because all these coaches are going at each other. You, you know, you're trying to make teams, you're getting 15 people down to five and the coach wants their gymnast in. And um, it can get quite challenging at times with it, with the environment and the culture, in, in my opinion. You know, if everyone cared and the sole focus was about the gymnast's happiness, the gymnast's success and how we was feeling, then it'd be amazing, but that's just not the reality of coaching. And it won't just be in gymnastics, it'll be... Yeah, multi-sport. Uh, mul yeah. Multiple sports. Um, I'd agree with that. And I'd also, you know, from another perspective, I've, I've been on that journey myself and, I, and I've been in the, the negative side of that, you know, having started off 15 years old, pretty cocky, yeah. big ego, um, you know, travelling to the States, very young, working with the world's leading coaches. That inflated my ego even more. That made me even more cocky give myself or you know start working alongside some high level athletes that inflates your ego even more and it's it, you know you can spiral and it's unfortunately um one i think i was i was aware of the fact that that needed to change but two i had great mentors around me that could guide me yeah. and so you know I, I can say now i can say yeah you're absolutely right guys you know there's a, there's a lot of ego within coaching it shouldn't happen the athlete should be at the center of decision making and it should be all about the athlete. I think a lot of coaches go through an evolution that they only figure that out once they've gone through a process. Mm. Um, it's very, because don't forget, a lot of these coaches, they, they'll they just be ex-gymnasts that will just get into coaching. You know, it's, it's not like a, you don't go to university and do this massive degree and, and this huge educational process. A lot of coaches will literally drop out of gymnastics, fall into coaching, normally in the environment that they've been an athlete, and they'll just continue to demonstrate the same behaviours that they've grown up as an athlete as well. So unless you've got an intervention, which could be a change in environment, a, a mentor, um, probably probably a number of mentors really that can really guide you and you've got trust with and can say, look, you know what? Nick Ruddock's success programme. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> well, I, I think that's because, you know, it, I, I agree with you. It's based on what I see as well. It's, yeah. in, it's inevitable that a lot, of, a lot of coaches have been gymnasts. There, there is no... Um, assessment of attributes and skills for that person to understand exactly if they can or can't lead children. Yep, if they're suitable to work in that environment. If they're suitable to work in that environment. So so it happens, and then what happens is further down the line you find out that they're potentially not suitable. And the way you find out as a parent is through the child. Yeah. Through the child's behaviour. Because I, I've said on previous podcasts, uh, Nick, what, what you when you have a child who's doing recreational gymnastics, right, Parents measure against happiness. Mm -hmm. Happy, sad. Goes in, comes out. Happy, goes in, comes out. Sad. Why are you sad? And sometimes... I'll, I'll, I'll try sorry, to interrupt. I want to say recreational gymnastics. When you measure against happiness when you're doing the Olympics as well. Exactly, you know yeah. I mean? Sorry, yeah. I, I mean, you sorry. measure against happiness in life, don't you? You'd School. Like to think, you'd like yeah. to think that. Anyway. Anything, sorry, yeah. carry on. Now. So we're specifically focusing on the gymnastics, aren't we? Yeah. But, but the, what happens is happy or sad... You struggle to get a direct link back to the coach and the coach's capability and how they're operating in an in an environment. We in in the coaching environment, we did elite gymnastics, so th so there is a huge element of safety. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're spinning round a bar and you're letting go and you're going to catch it again, it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So so you have to have rules and you have to have guidelines. And if the coach thinks they're going to be in danger, I can understand a bit being a bit more authoritarian. But, but to, what tends to happen in the coaching environment is authoritarian, dictatorial behaviour just happens all the time, regardless. Because it, because it's this 
what's my end game? What's the focus? Do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it again. Do it ten times until you can do it. Oh, it doesn't matter about your body or how you're feeling. You're upset. Or we, you know, yeah. so so that's what you ex- experience. And, uh, you know, if, uh, and ultimately, if you think I'm wrong, tell me. But that's what I've seen. Like, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation with you, Dad, because you, you're from a parent's perspective. And, that, yeah. and what you said is just completely right. However, there has, there has been a noticeable shift in the culture over the last 10 years. Right. When I was 12 years old, <clears throat> it was so different. 10, 10, 12 years ago, you know, it was... What ruled, I've just described. Yeah, dictatorial, yeah. ruled by fear, yeah. very authoritative. And and some of the things now, if you look back to, to what... And, and even what you, Nick will probably enlighten us, the way you coached yeah. and the way that coaches was just... It was the norm to be aggressive you know and it was borderline uh, i don't want to yeah bully i want to say to use the word bullying it was you you experienced it as yeah. a parent you've experienced it as a coach thinking probably this is how i've got to do it if i want to achieve results and now we're in 2019 so many things have changed Brilliant. Brilliant. however in my opinion <laughs> it's hard to say i don't think we are achieving the same results so my question and the topic I, I want to talk about is, do you think you, we can create a healthy environment, a great gymnast-coach relationship and still achieve the same success as we have versus the old culture? And, and I think now I'd, it's it's tough to say on the podcast and a lot of people will be tough listening is, parenting and kids today are soft, in my opinion. Wow, it's a big I, statement. It is a big statement. And, and I take it with a pinch of salt, you know, it's, it's not everyone. and But but it is compared to what I went through as a child, as a gymnast, my training, the amount of hours, you know, what was the norm? It is soft, you know, it, in my opinion. We talked about it at GymCon a couple of years we ago. We did, yeah. And to, to all the coaches. And I think the coaches will agree. It's frustrating as a coach. Um, but then also it's great to have you here, Dad, because you're a parent. You're not a parent, are you, Nick? Uh, only for two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll be able to enlighten it from from that perspective and how you feel about that. But yeah, Nick, Nick if you want to well, say... Well, it'd be, it'd be nice to answer them two questions. So I think what you've asked there is, you know, do you think we can get the same results in a different environment than what, the one that we want to hear more about from yourself? Yeah. And um, the, the second question was, do you think the environment is soft now? What you're saying. Well, so in response to the first one, I mean, the beauty of my... The nature of the work that I've done, and as I've said, I've... I've you know, been in, in 20 different countries. I mean, I've been in more, of course, but consulting for 20 federations. And, and I've got really good access to their national teams and cultures. So I've pretty much seen probably all ends of the spectrum. I've seen the, the still hostile kind of environment because, you know, not everyone has the same level of awareness to it around the world. Um, and I've had the really relaxed, fun, enjoyment, happy-go-lucky kind of environments as well. Um, I can definitely say that it is possible to achieve Olympic medals in a in a very good environment, you know, one that doesn't compromise what I refer to and what we talked about at Gymcon, which was the happy, healthy, hungry yeah. kind of athlete. Yeah. Um, the reason why that doesn't happen as much is because that does take more thinking power. It takes a lot more effort for a coach to think, well, how can I get more out of this athlete? Or how can I get them to do what I want them to do? without using some form of consequence or punishment or, or fear-driven coaching, it is easier. It's, it's easier for me to, to threaten an athlete and say, if you don't do this on the next go, then you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z. Fear is a fantastic motivator in the same way that if you, if you get a massive dog and you get it to chase someone and someone's going to run really fast away from it, it will motivate you to move. Yeah. Um, 
However, we, we know as coaches, or many of us do, that that's just not the best thing from an, from an ethics perspective, you know, for, from a morals perspective. Um, and it's certainly not the same thing, the right thing to do from an athlete's long-term um, enjoyment in the sport, but also the coach-athlete relationship. You know, those are, you're looking at short-term success rather than building a relationship which is really going to be valued over a long period of time. A lot of it comes down to fear as a coach. Mm. So so when a coach is, is being aggressive or hostile towards an athlete, that is coming from a place of fear. They are basically worried that if this athlete doesn't do what I need them to do, it's going to make me look bad as a coach. You know, I'm going to go on the competition floor and they're not doing great routines. They're not going to be on the podium. What are people going to think of me as a coach? It's all coming from a place of fear. So until coaches really invest more in self-awareness, understanding themselves and, you know, just being really comfortable, like not worrying so much about what everyone else is thinking of them. I think it's going to be really difficult to see those some of those shifts because actually I'm not very competitive. If I'm honest, I'm not really that competitive. I, I, you know, I, you know I, I like to win, but it doesn't really get under my skin if, if I don't because I'm not so focused on the the result like I don't particularly enjoy the whole competition process if I'm honest wow. I like to be in a gym I just like to be in the gym because I like the process of like the teaching part of it and so because I'm not so competitive it, things don't wind me up as much as it does other coaches yeah. but those that are so competitive and maybe come in from a place of fear well you're going to see that in the way that they respond to different situations yeah. um, so that's that's you know a couple of different styles there so it's, it's a little bit about um, raising awareness it's a little bit about being more comfortable um, and also just you know, judging each other less you know like Every coach is going to have a time where their athlete doesn't do well in competition. So other coaches should just accept that that's part of everyone else. Everyone else is on their own journey. Everyone else is on their same path. Um, you're going to have great times. You're all going to have bad times. You're all going to have kids that get injured. Probably coaches are all going to have kids that leave and go to another club. Like these things are just part of the process. And we should all just accept that. And everyone's on their own little journey. Yeah. Let everyone get on From with a it. competition perspective as well, pride, you know, pride... In my opinion, pride doesn't come from medals and standing on podium. Pride comes from being the best you can be on the day. And if you, you know, that's where pride comes from. So if you go and you do your best, the best doesn't necessarily mean being number one or the best, does it? The best means you've done, you've worked hard, you've done your best and you can walk away with pride. That's what, that's where pride comes from, you know, internally. And that's, and that's, that's very personal to yourself, isn't it? I mean, you're going to have coaches that their measure of success is purely the kudos that you mentioned before, it's like, right, if my athlete's not on the podium, I'm not happy. Yeah. And, the, and the reality is they won't be happy even if they, if they do. There's no sense of fulfilment from that. Yeah. But I think a lot of coaches' measure of success is purely, you know, yeah, have, have they produced yeah. an athlete? And I, and I use the example Which of, is wrong. Which is wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, 100%. Yeah. You know, yeah, I agree. Would you say that a drug dealer is a successful businessman? Yeah. You know, they might be rolling in cash. <laughs> You know, they might have, you, you know, you have souped up Range Rovers and, and yeah. all this. However, it's not ethical, it's not moral, and you and, and there's not many people that would look at that and say, well, they're a success. Yeah, yeah. great. And coaching yeah. coaching in a hostile way to me is the same. So if, I, if I'm judging the success of a coach, and I, and I hear this a lot, they're a fantastic coach. I'm like, well, what do you know about that person? Like, uh, your measure of success should be about what process have they followed? Yeah. Have they destroyed 25 athletes to get to one and how, who's been how successful? How are their athletes? How, exactly. how, yeah. how much are their athletes smiling? Sure. And you look at it, it's like, oh, well, but he's got an English champion, a British champion at certain levels. That's, that's, that's the success. Well, yeah, and, and when you do gymnastics, you learn so much more than gymnastics, don't you? Roly-polies and backflips and whatever you learn. So, you know, I, when, when people go to gymnastics, so recreational now, the 99% or whatever it is, they're learning... Um, life skills, which are communication, engagement, you know, um, they, they're, le they're learning how 
what danger is. They're learning how to communicate with friends. They're learning how to talk. They're learning how to discuss. They're, f- they're learning about bravery. They're finding out life skills about their own attitudes and beliefs. Because yeah. and, and believe me, I know it's correct because I've been in the gym and done a backflip with him, and I was shitting <laughs> myself. I have never had. If I had a heart rate monitor on, and you know, I found, and I was. And after I did it, I was so proud, you know, so those feelings, those, all those life skills are being developed. So from a coaching perspective, you know, it's that recognition that they're learning life skills as well as roly-polies or, yeah. or backflips. So my, my question, we're going to go back to the soft thing. But my question then is, who's leading the coaches? So we've got the coaches, who's leading them? Well... <laughs> I know your gym. <laughs> so I know your gym con is very. I watched the video, right? You know, so you yeah. get, you get two hundred people turn up at that. So I, I, I four hundred, four hundred. Oh my god! Oh shit! Sorry, four hundred, five hundred. So so you must have five hundred people that recognise. Actually, I would like to do something different or whatever. So yeah. who's leading the coaches? When you say leading, do you mean from a? I mean, because you, you know as well as I do, clubs are independent. Um, you know they work uh, in the certainly in the UK anyway. They're, they're very they financially run themselves independently. Um, they've got their own workforce. They might have their own charitable status and committees and things like that. So every club I think is is organised and managed a little bit differently. Um, you know some clubs have got your head coaches. Some have got your coaching directors. Some are, are set up in a very amateur way, which is fine for you know whatever level they're at. Um, so every, I think there's a bit of context there, Neil. So, uh, so what, what would, yeah. would you? I, it was a bit of a leaning question, but would yeah. you would you argue that part of the challenge is there is no consequence of the way a coach goes in, behaves, and works on a day to day basis, and then goes home? Because because arguably, you know, you take uh, this lead. I know Leeds, yeah, and I know other clubs. Leeds is run by a committee of parents. It's got head coaches, but you know, but who who do they report to, and and who actually leads and monitors and watches their performance on a day-to-day basis to give them feedback so that they can develop because I, I would argue that there are no consequences of what you do on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. unless you personally feel I should be doing something different like yourself yeah okay I understand your point I mean obviously the you know, club like Leeds for example would be governed by British Gymnastics wouldn't they the governing body so in terms of in terms of external consequences you'd be leading towards a governing body stepping in and um, and maybe there's maybe there'll be an intervention of some description if someone's really stepped out of line. Yeah, well, to, I just mean leadership on a day to day. But you know, I would that, argue there down. isn't any. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, there isn't any. And I think I, I would, I think there needs to be more of those. You know, when you do your level one coaching course, your level two, you, yeah, you, the the primary, prime, said that right. Primal focus is primary. To, primary, primary focus. Yeah. Primal. Primal sounds like caveman. Caveman. Is is uh, teaching the cartwheel, teaching yes. the backflip, teaching the Kovac. Not, you know, what is your EQ? What's your emotional intelligence? Mm. You know, how can you manage kids, adults? How can you communicate? In my opinion, it's the the most important thing. And then when we're talking about creating an environment where we're trying to get the best out of people and get athletes working hard and fill them with beliefs and desire and self esteem yeah. and put in the work. That's about your people skills, so that I would agree with you, Dad. There's no leadership or skill development, and, and there might be in certain clubs. I know we will certainly do it in Alice we'll Gymnastics. Do it in Alice and Gymnastics. <laughs> so we, we will, in, hopefully, working with yourself, but we'll be doing some other stuff and taking everyone through a personal development course that has nothing to do with gymnastics. Nothing to do with gymnastics. About so you're sending it at grassroots level then when well, you're doing the coaching. Both, I, I, you know, if you have developed 
an athlete, you know, the coaches are, uh, in the main system in the Olympic squad, they've done a degree of development if they've developed a gymnast to that level, you know, so they, they have the skills to be able to communicate, obviously some better than others. Um, but I think the best coaches, I said it at GymCon, are the ones that can connect with people and athletes on an emotional level. And, and like we said, you know, people only remember how you made them feel. Yep. You know, tomorrow no one will remember the words that we're using on this podcast. No, they'll, this remember, no. they'll remember walking on a treadmill, sat in the car, smiling, how it made them feel. Um, and that is that is the key thing, really, for coaching for me. You know, you can, anyone can teach a casino, and if you have the right athlete that works hard, that's got the body, the body attributes like myself, got the mental game, he's strong, he's confident, he's going to do the gymnastics. It's then how... Can you develop a relationship, like we say, over a long period of time to fill them with the attributes to become the best at uh, what they yeah, do? Best version of themselves. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and you need to do you need to be that to be an Olympic medalist. I know what it takes, and I think I want to go back to the the soft point. I yeah. made a quite a brash statement. Um, brash. Which, <laughs> I'm saying all these words. Just keep adding <laughs> B on the front of it. Or B up. <laughs> made a rash statement. Um, so I just want to clarify that it's not, I think because of myself being there, being an athlete and got, got to the top level, I know what it takes and I know what I have been through to to get to that level through, you've seen it, mm -hmm. you know, you've been around the environment. And when I use the word soft, I kind of refer it to those that say that they want to be an Olympian groups and coaches and, and and staff and environments that say we're building world elite level gymnasts. However, the kids are not willing to put in the work and don't feel like they need to put in the work. And, and I think when it comes to a, an element like pain or injury or, you know, conditioning, every, all the things that you need to progress in the sport, they don't want to do it. They start crying. Uh, and, and I think parenting plays a huge part in that, you know, You've always said, Dad, which you can enlighten us, you've tried to never cross the line of coach-parent. Um, and I think a lot do that. They, they get too heavily involved and, you know, let the coach do his job. Um, do you want to maybe say a few well, words it, on that? I'll just, say, look, I'll just give you an example. If you came out of the gym and, and you were cry crying, I don't really remember you crying. There were a couple of occasions. But let's say, for example, you were and you said, he made me do 10 rope climbs. Yeah. Which happened quite often. Right. So, so okay. So, it's a real example. He made me to, to do 10 rope climbs. I would say, wow, there must be a reason for that. It must be helping your gymnastics. You know, you, yeah, you, yeah. you, you do it for a reason. What did you do wrong? Yeah. Or, what, you know, what did you do wrong? Why did that happen? You, yeah, know, yeah. you know, so I would use language like that. I don't know. I guess... I guess the the example that you're giving now, another person that came out and said, he made me do 10 rope climbs. A parent may say, you're joking, never. I'm going to go speak to him. I'm going to have a word with him. I don't, I, I don't That's know. That's out of order. But yeah. we, we've been at it for a while. But I just want to go back to a, a point that you said er, earlier um, about you know what it takes. Yeah. How do you not know? How do you not know? Is that not correct English? Had you been in a better environment that was different to the one that you were in, you might have achieved more. That's a very, very fair point. And, in, and, and I'm, I'm all for now, having been through, I much prefer an environment that is positive, happy, hungry, you know, your, your brand. Yeah. And, and bouncing off each other in a positive way, not ruled by fear. I, I totally agree with it. However, 
there's there's a there's an element of creating that and an element of delusion in my opinion of well it's all happy let's just have some fun but exactly. we're not actually getting the work done to, yeah. to get to where we want to be so you can have a happy environment with the very hard work 100 100 but like nick said i think you you've hit on the nail it's 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 more difficult i assume as a coach to get the most out of you know like my my I, my coach's job if i went to the gym today I'm very self-motivated and, I, and I've achieved a lot and I know what I want. So I kind of do know what I need to do. So a lot of coaches are very good at, you know, and particularly my personal ones, someone like Barry, for for example, Baz Colley. Oh, we're naming people. We're now. naming people. He, he is a genius at getting me to do certain things that I probably wouldn't have done if I was on my own and that are positive steps in my, you know, in my pathway to the, to competitions and there's no hostility in the way that he does and that. there's no yeah, like yeah. you must do this yeah, yeah. Nigel otherwise you've got 10 rope climbs as an example so you know but it's probably more challenging and not many coaches have the skill like self Nick like Baz like Bazza um, who we're going to get on the podcast but yeah what you th- ha- what what are some tips in in creating that environment well, before we go to tips, if I, can I just share a few thoughts about mm, what, what yeah, we've yeah. just sort of said over the last yeah. few minutes? Because I think it is really important stuff. Um, so I'm a big believer that people are being the best that they know how to be. So that that, that parent or that coach is not intentionally trying to jeopardise their their child or their athlete's future. So I'm a big believer in that. And so I think from a club's perspective, they've got a responsibility to educate parents as much as possible as to you know the best kind of behaviours and the philosophies that they should they should adopt in order to help their child because as a parent you know this you would never do anything that would jeopardize course, you know yeah, for your happiness yeah. or or your athletes sorry your child's um, future success so i think a lot of it comes down to um, just not knowing any better i think from a coaching perspective you know we, we might say okay there that from a qualification perspective there isn't stacks of opportunity well not opportunities that's wrong um, there are no there are not many bodies which are are holding these organizations accountable i understand that but there is an abundance of opportunity and therefore choice for coaches to engage with um, other opportunities to upskill their staff you know I'm, I'm not doing this as a plug but obviously i run a very successful coaching program that tackles exactly these skills soft skills and myself and baz went through the ecap program which was you know privileged to be part of that and that was something from from uk sport um, there are things out there which are available as long as coaches and then the people that are leading those organisations um, have the awareness and the uh, the skill set to know that actually these coaches need continuous professional development. It's not you go yeah. on, on, a, on a coaching course and then you're done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the learning starts when you've got your qualification and it never stops because we and, are And all, it's hard work. It's, hard, it's very hard yeah. work, you know, in the same way that our athletes show up for 25, 30, 35 hours a week and they're taught. Well, if coaches don't receive coaching themselves, well, that's like an athlete turning up to the gym and just training on, the, on their own. They're going to get better, but they're not going to get really, really good. And now I've always believed in, in being coached. I've, I've got a, a number of coaches now. In fact, I spend a lot of money, four figures a month on, on coaching. And that's for someone to be brutally honest with me and say, you're doing this wrong or you're doing that right. Or maybe we need to tap into this area here and, and be that person that guides me and supports me. Yeah. Now, that's a mindset thing and that's a growth mindset thing. And obviously I know that you guys know all about this because you live and you breathe it and it's, it's part of who you are. But unfortunately, not everyone has got that kind of mentality. And it's, it's not just within gymnastics, of course, it's within life. 
Um, so those sort of coaches or clubs that are listening, you know, hopefully a lot of these these clubs will be continuing to invest in the, what we call the soft skills. But we know they're not really soft. They're, they're more complex to learn. You mentioned yourself. <laughs> anyone can do a casino. I'm not sure that anyone can do that. <laughs> but yeah, a backflip and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, it makes them statements yeah. all the time. Anyone can do it. All right, mate. All right. No, You're talking I, to a I, recreational I, gymnast here now. Okay, I, that think, hurts. I think a lot more people have the physical attributes to potentially be able to do um, yeah. I like the way you worded that. Yeah. It makes me feel happier. Yeah, you're, you're talking self-limiting beliefs. Can't do that. I'm off. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mindset, what we're talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. what you're saying That's is it. the personal yeah. development of, of yeah. coaches, and I'm the same. I'm, you know, I'm never going to stop learning throughout my life. I'm always learning, not just in gymnastics, but about myself, where I want to go. We've got all these things going on. I'm learning how to be the best podcaster in the world. You know, it's continual personal development and that should be for everyone not just for the skill that they're doing yeah. but for the life for the relationships for, to try and become the best version of themselves I completely mm. agree with you but that's f like for me and for you that's a fun part yeah. like okay doing this podcast like it, it's fun that, that continuous growth is like it's it's cool like, and, and where's this podcast going to be in the next sort of three months like, I'm excited to see it and obviously, mm. obviously you guys are as well and, yeah. and I think that for coaches that fall in love with learning um, you don't have necessarily some of these battles, but there are coaches, people that will push learning away from them. And so for me, it's the difference between an active learner and then a passive learner. Some people will be, they'll say they're open to learning, but they won't actively go out and find it. Whereas your active learners are, you know, they're listening to podcasts, they're going to conferences, they're receiving coaching, they're reading books. And, and they are the people that will probably represent better behaviours because they've probably got a better level of self-awareness. Yeah, yeah can, I, can I just clarify as well? You're talking about, any level of coaching. Any level gymnastics. of coaching, right, because you can be high performing and not be at a right. high performance level. You yes. know, some of the best coaches I know have never taught an artistic gymnast. Yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've been, I've spent time with like, seriously, some of the truly most remarkable people that I know coach recreational gymnastics, but they are world class at it. Yeah. And they, and they're streaks above what I could do and, and, and how to captive uh, or capture the attention of the child and to keep them progressing and having massive amounts of fun and, and class management that that is being high performing doesn't mean mean that you need to be high performance and at a high performance level of course we're talking about right, the, know, the so, elite term if you like so Niall and I talk about this all the time in our yeah. in our gyms so we're about to start the first and we, we're going to open 50 gyms yeah mm -hmm. we are we are going to make a serious dent in the 1.2 million kids that are waiting on uh, waiting list to do gymnastics to take part we oh. are going to get him but we want world-class coaches arguably we won't be doing world-class gymnastics yeah. if you measure it against artistic but we want world-class coaches so, because so can you use a few numbers nick isn't it i thought you I thought you'd be funny there i thought you mean you're not one but there are some out there um because it's important, because it's absolutely vital that when the coaches come to the, the gym, people take part in gymnastics, all the participation levels that we're talking about and people are doing, they are learning so much more than just gymnastics. I, you know, I want to make, and, and it's key the way that they engage, the way that they talk, the way that they speak, the way that they meet and greet. You know, the, work, the amount of work they do. I, I was just going to build on your comment as well. It's like... The first thing, no, I'll probably correct me, but the first thing when you walked through the door was, right, go do that. You know, you're also at the point where you, you, normal human beings don't behave like that. We, we've we met this morning, haven't we? We've said hello and shaken yeah. hands and how are you doing? Are you all right? So this about is, your juice diet. Ju my juice diet is, yeah. is the first thing you do from an engagement perspective. It's rapport. You're building rapport. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then and then you would argue that for, for five hours, the gymnast does all the work. 
on themselves on their development in gymnastics. The coach is doing nothing. And as and as as technology's developed, I've stood and watched coaching where for three hours of the four they're on the phone. Yeah, and you know, I, and I, 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 it's just bamboozling, mind blowing. There's a lot of hypocrisy as well. Back to the 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 growth mindset and willing to learn. Your my job is to work hard, take on feedback, be told by a coach what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, always what you're doing wrong. Take not the, what you're doing right. Take the feedback on, develop, learn, change, grow. But a coach thinks he's right. He's always right. He's not willing to learn. He can't take on feedback. He gets frustrated because he's right. It's his way or nowhere. And But he's expecting all of his athletes to to be that person that, you know, like as an athlete, you are constantly receiving feedback. And we've always said feedback to breakfast of champions and learn and grow. So why does a coach or some of the, you know, in my opinion, not the greatest coaches have that mentality? Um, I've, been, I've, been, I've done a presentation at a gym club as a parent, right? So I've done a few presentations. And I go and basically just tell our story, my story as a parent, and pe- you know, people. Some people find it really interesting, and I, and I go through a number of things. So we do that. I think I said on a previous podcast, it's kind of hands up if you see yourself and your child, and mm. on all hundred hundred hands in the room go up, and you know, hands up if you see your mum and dad in you. So, so it's a you know, it's like it's looking in on them because when you when you look at when you see parents, have you ever heard this before? And parents, uh, a, a child is misbehaving, and the parent will say, "I don't know who they take after." Well, I'm sorry, but it's you. You know, when I, so that that's that's the thing, isn't it? So it's like this 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 self reflection in terms of what you invest, you will reap what you sow. But that investment has to be on yourself as well, and it, it and it it applies to coaches in the sport in gymnastics. Yeah, I, I think we're at, we've hit the nail on the head on this. Uh, I think it's important to note that there are some fantastic coaches out there. Of yes, course, there are. That, yeah, of course. That live and breathe everything yeah. that we want. Yeah. So we're, we're, you know, this isn't coach bashing by any means. Yeah, yeah. Um, that we we know that they're yeah they're coaches that don't live and breathe it in the same way there are athletes that don't turn up like they should do and there are parents that also don't do the same so um i I do kind of not empathize but when when seeing things from the other side i can understand how it all comes down to this you know like like i said an athlete finishes gymnastics they go into coaching they don't receive any personal development they don't know much better they're given a group of very young athletes and they just sort of get on and, and then they're sent on their qualifications and and that's their journey. For people that live within those four walls and they don't have any other guidance and they never have done, it takes a lot for that person to go, I want to go on a personal development course. I want to pick up a book and know about more about self-awareness because your 15, 16-year-old coaches that are just getting into it, they're not going to think like that. Mm. It's the job of the leadership within those organisations to guide their workforce. It's It really is, I, I, I believe, down to them. Now, don't get me wrong, you're going to get the odd person. I'd like to think I was one of them intrinsically knew that I could be better and I could know more and I should know more. But there aren't many coaches that, that are like that. That's just that's just the reality. Yeah. We've, we've done a, a fair bit of coach bashing we didn't want it to come across like that but let's move on to i do i would call it coach bashing i would call it our reflection of being in the sport for 17 years plus nick's very wide experience on coaching nationally internationally internationally okay yeah you're right dad thank you for that sir neil so so what what should they do nick you know what 
as a coach, and I'm sure we've all three got some views on this. What's the future hold? You know, you know, go on. Coach development. Coach development. So, you know, having quite rightly said, as you said, Neil, that I've, I've been involved with so, you know coach education for quite a while now. Done a lot of work internationally. Um, I always notice there's patterns because it doesn't matter where I am in the world, everyone's got the same challenges. You know, you've, you've got um, conflicts with people, whether that's parents or athletes. You know, you've got challenges of teaching things. You've got um, unhappy, unhealthy athletes. You know, everyone's got the same challenges. They just have you know different resources, different solutions. I think the investment as a coach should go in four areas. You've got to you've got to know yourself really, really well. Your level of self awareness has got to be phenomenal, um, and that's not always easy. It's not always fun doing that interior work, that interior scaffolding to figure out what makes you tick. Why do you behave the way that you do? Um, what truly inspires you? You know, what does success mean? There's, there's a lot of questions that you can ask yourself to give you a, a greater level of understanding of knowing yourself. That's that's number one. Second one would be know the sport. And that's the technical stuff, you know, no gymnastics, know the rules, know the apparatus, know how to teach, no technique, you know, all that kind of stuff. If anything, that's probably where most coaches get magnetized towards because mm-hmm. that's the fun stuff. It's the interesting stuff. You've then got to know the athlete, and that means know the athlete as an individual and not just treat them all the same. Yeah. And, and you'll know this now, yeah. and, and of course you'll see this as a parent, Neil, but um, you can't treat every athlete the same. They are entirely different because everyone's got their own ticks everyone's got their own purpose everyone's got their own vision you know level of enjoyment rationale behind why they do gymnastics and and of course their home lives and school lives are entirely different as well so really do your best to know the athlete inside out and and build that level of rapport um and finally you've got to know how to teach and because most people confuse knowing gymnastics with knowing how to teach but some of the best technicians i know are the worst coaches Mm. And, and so this is an area that, which again is not so attractive to people, but, but knowing yourself, knowing the athlete and knowing how to teach are collectively more important than knowing the sport of gymnastics. To the point that I would actually say some of the coaches that I know that are exceptional in those areas are actually not particularly good at the methodology and the technical phase. It doesn't matter because they've got all the other skills as well, mm. like of, of building rapport, keeping the kids in the gym, inspiring them you know, great work ethic, building phenomenal culture. Well, you can do all that stuff teaching football. You don't have to know gymnastics. Mm. And so those are the four pillars that I would say that, that coaches should really invest in. And there's an abundance of opportunities to do that. It's just about seeking them. And that's yeah. something that I've been really good at doing, um, mm. blowing my own trumpet, but it's seizing and seeking opportunity. And, and mm. when, you, when you find it, absolutely grab it. Yeah. You know, no one told me to write an email to those coaches in America when I was 16 years old and mm-hmm. no one no one told me to go and borrow six grand which is what I did so I could go go over there and make the most of that one month trip you know mm-hmm. um, and building contacts it's just about seeking and seizing those opportunities because mm-hmm. they're we've never lived in a time now which is which is like this you know you've yeah. got all the information you want you've, you can connect with anybody at any part of the world you know with the right mindset it's yeah. phenomenal that's brilliant and I, you cl- clearly didn't have any self-limiting beliefs that that you thought well no this is this is where it's at i'm on a level playing field that's how i'm going to coach and i'm going so from your mindset perspective no self-limiting beliefs i'm going to get better i want to do it differently and away you go so everything happened to you because of you didn't it yeah Yeah, i think so i mean at least me having um me being the catalyst to getting things going and then and then surrounding myself with the right people that could help me on that journey um and that, that's one of the reasons why I'm so invested in coach education and my, my companies, because 
the people that answered my emails and said, sure, Nick, come over for a month. We'd love for you to be in our gym. You know, the people that opened their doors and, and let me live with them. Like, you know, I lived with Lucan and Nasty Lucan for, for, you know, I've done a couple of months there or a few months. And, and what, what benefit was there to Valeri? Like, I was just, you know, I was a 17-year-old asking him loads of questions all the time, eating his food in his fridge. Nice. I was... Nasty living there as well. And Nasty was there. And, you know, I was, I was living the dream of myself. <laughs> She's, a, she's, it, milfless. <laughs> she's not a mum, is she? Right, you can edit that bit out. Right, <laughs> right, just don't listen. <laughs> I've done a video with Nasty. She's very yeah. be- beautifully yeah, cool. gy- beautiful gymnast. Let's, yes. let's bring this back. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you're on a roll. <laughs> but, but for Valeria, there wasn't really much in it. For me, like I said, I was, I was living the dream. Now, people like that changed my life. They, they yeah. really did. And so I, I believe and I enjoy trying to reciprocate that to the gymnastics community. Yeah. You said about um, limiting beliefs. I definitely have <coughs> limiting beliefs. I think, I think we all probably do. Um, I, I, I feel there are what I call the six Ds. And these are areas that you need, to, you need to be really good at and then you need to try and avoid. I think you need to be um, disciplined, you need to be devoted, and you need to have desire. Okay, so if you're disciplined, devoted, and desire, then I think you're on the right path. But you need to be able to combat doubt discouragement and disappointment because a lot of people have the desire but they don't have discipline you know they just they they they're the dreamers and then you know all about those people that say i want to do this but they never do anything because they they're not disciplined enough and they're not devoted enough and obsessed enough to make that happen but equally there are some people that can do all of that but as soon as they face discouragement you know like the haters they slow down as soon as they say self-doubt and fear failure they slow down um, or yeah, maybe there's some sort of dis- disappointment that they, that they experience, and, and you know this, both you guys, that it's not always happy-go-lucky times. It's like if anything, you get massive highs and you get these huge pitfalls as well, and it's you've just got to be able to plough through that. Mm-hmm. So I think the the whole limiting belief thing, which is the the self doubt, definitely have that, but you can't let that be a barrier. You've got to go. I recognise that I maybe lack a bit of competence in this area or confidence, but. I'm going to crush that negativity and do it anyway. And that's that's what's yeah. important, I think, and separates a lot of higher performing people that they'll recognise they might be nervous about it or have anxiety or some fear, but they'll go, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's the the single thing that I put the my success down to is, obviously it's a lot of things, but like you said, making it happen. Just doing the things, I feel like me and you are very similar, Nick, in, in a position where we've kind of opened for you disruptive the, co- the coach's eyes yep. for me a gymnast but then well a gymnast it's a sport that's not mainstream it's a sport that's not floods of money going into it and we have proved by making things happen by by staying on the the three d's this side you yep. know discipline desire devotion yep. devotion that we can change the game we can do it differently we, we can we can build businesses off off of gymnastics you can travel the world consulting Absolutely. you know get 500 people in a room and be on stage and speak on stage and i think that's so inspiring from you and myself to to that in turn you talked about surrounding yourself gives other people the belief and it kind of almost grows their self-limiting beliefs to think well if nick can do it if niall can do it yeah then I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down like for me, it's, it's vision. So, so everything that I've achieved, I've pictured in the past. Yeah. And, and so now it's like, what, what am I now imagining in my head that I'm going to achieve? Another, yeah. I've got 
like success is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's like it might, I might experience some knocks on the way, but there's no doubt I'm going to do it. Yeah. Whether that's right. the financial objectives, whether that's the cultural stuff. And but to be honest, my mindset on what success is for me has changed drastically over the last few years. And it's yeah. more now about how can I positively impact the gymnastics community. And part of that is based on being in some of these environments and going, shit, that's not best practice. Why is that still happening? Like, why is that coach doing that or, or mm. you know this this coach has not got the best mentors but okay how about I create a platform where it doesn't matter because they can still learn from someone like me using online platforms yeah. and still get access to that but it's all it's all been pictured and visioned in the past and so you know I just I just believe that coaches anyone has just got to have first clarity on exactly what it is that they're trying to achieve and then you just kind of reverse engineer the process yeah. well, I think it's brilliant advice because you know having and the things you said were amazing and having an attitude and picturing things the way you do your 3Ds we talk about goal desire belief don't we with, with somebody else doesn't guarantee you success no. doesn't guarantee you success but having no picture and sticking to the other 3Ds guarantees you failure the vision we've the, the, the handprints are on the wall the handprints, yeah. mm-hmm. I've been the person with stupid ambition yeah. and dreams and Crazy dreams. like look where we're sat you know like yeah, yeah. I said to dad we should start a podcast three months later look where we're sat and, yeah, and, yeah. and it's you know the dreams that I've got that we've got that I'm yeah. sure you've got yeah. are out of this world of, of no. But there's many people that would that are saying the same thing. I want to start a podcast, and they won't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, they, yeah you've so just true. you've got to get going. Yeah, and it's so like, true. And you said about you know anyone can do it. When I when I when I look back, I've you know I was a recreational gymnast. Like people were always like, I you know what level did you get to? And you know were you on the national team? I'm like I could barely do. You know if you if you knew what my floor routine was, it was teddy bear rolls, <laughs> a Swedish full thing. I, I used to do a straddle over vault, and I always used to catch my left leg on the vault and have to do like this little James Bond roll out of it. And and I would go home and cry about it afterwards. You know that sounds better than you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should see my walrus vault. <laughs> But I, I was I was dreadful, and and from that, you know, and I'm not saying I'm the world's best coach because I'm absolutely not, and I've got a lot to learn still. But my mindset has allowed me to to have somewhat some success, and I'd like to think that's going to continue, um, and I can help a lot of other people achieve their success and be fulfilled and fulfill a bit more of their potential. Right, and, and so we're almost back to the start, aren't we? Because we, you know, you're just reminding ourselves of what the environment is, because people come to you and say, "Oh, all right, okay, what did you, what did you?" And they're expecting you to say, "Well, I took two people to the Olympics." Yeah. It's all that kind of, and I did yeah. it to this level. But you know, what a brilliant story where you say, "Well, I was a, at a lower level and I couldn't do a vault." But that's that's not what success is about, is no, it? Not in yeah. a not in a coaching environment. Whereas the environment generally says, "Right, I've got five gold medals, Olympics. I've got this. I've got that. I've got the other," yeah. and that's such a small proportion of of gymnastics world isn't it it's it's another reason why i really um am passionate about recreational gymnastics participation because because i'm you know if and i I don't teach recreational gymnastics now it's just not part of what i do but if if i did i'd be very much thinking well this could be a future national coach in the same way that 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 was me you know sitting there or or a future basketball player there we go doesn't matter you know it doesn't have to be gymnastics gymnastics, i could sit here and talk about both of us could how incredible it is but the foundation that it gives you as a kid getting into it and an adult doing it for yeah. the health and the well-being and the fitness. There's nothing like gymnastics out there. There's nothing like it. And I think that's what journey we're going to go on now with. We're trying to set up the gyms. We're in a fortunate position to to have the, the financial capabilities to build an empire, what we want. And it's all going to be about 
getting as many people into gymnastics, having fun, having the biggest smile on their face, becoming the best version of themselves, not to be an Olympic medalist, to be whatever they want to be. And it's, it's the best thing from what we talked about. You learning from a, from a mindset perspective and a, as a person, but then your body, the function, being able to move, being able to run better, being able to walk better, being able to be in control of your body, having ridiculous core strength to, to look in the best you've ever felt and looked. I think you've just described me though. <laughs> <laughs> I want to call oh, it, uh, it's, tight now. No <laughs> yeah. I just want to go back just quit that at the technical side. Yeah. FB curves. We, we, you shouted them out earlier. I um what are your thoughts on that? I know you've had you've had them on the events. I'm now a partner, so, so FB Curves is a company that have developed animations. <laughs> Look at you two smiling. <laughs> I'm not making money by this. We've still not got a podcast sponsor yet, apart from, well, we have NW Club. Nick Reddit Gymnastics. Yeah, we've done enough plug in this podcast. Mate. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah, so they, they have, have developed an application, men and women's, that is animations of each and every gymnastic skill in the code of points, plus judge education, plus coach education through animation. I think it's the future. You know, b- before it was a book, pictures, yep. and now you've got access on your phone to be able to see a skill in front of you, show it to your kids. What What are your thoughts on on the the development of the app of FB Curve, the company? Do you think? I think it's awesome. I mean, I've followed their growth for a while now. We've had some good conversations. They've obviously yeah, they've had a presence at Gymcon um, in in previous years. I think anything which is pushing the sport forward from an education perspective is is only going to be a good thing. Yeah. Um, and coupled with the fact that they've obviously produced a, a fantastic product, which they've put a lot of time into. It's eight years, I think. Yeah, I mean, and, and you can see that yeah. on the quality of the of the content, the quality yeah. of the um, you know the interface and all that. You can see the investment of time and money that's gone in. So I'm, I'm just a big believer in anything which can which can help people grow and develop, maybe give them more clarity on what those gymnastics elements should look like and yeah, shouldn't yeah, look yeah, like. Yeah. Can't be a bad thing, can it? Well, also in the future, it may, you know, where technology is going, it may get rid of the judging issue. So you could just put performance against what it's supposed to be, match the two and say what the score is. Oh, and then you don't have six people deciding what another human, six humans deciding what another human being's done. Yeah. And, and part of don't, the app, not part taking of the app is controversial judge, route. Part of the app is judge... Um, you know, demonstration, so they show deductions and what it should look like and how, you know, judge education as well. Brilliant. It's incredible. I, I must have partnered with them. So it'll be linked in the description of the of the podcast notes and if, if this is visual on YouTube, make sure you check them out if you're a coach and you're a gymnast, you can see every single skill that you want to dream of doing. I think if I was a young kid and had this application, I'd be on it 24-7, um, dreaming about skills I want to learn and put the routines I want to put together. But My straddle over vault is probably on there at some point. Yeah, yeah we'll be we, 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 James Bond. Nice. Do you have a video of the walrus? Yeah. Yeah, you've got to put it on. It'll open that up. It'd be nice to have an app, wouldn't it? So, you know, an app that says, be a brilliant coach. Here's your steps. The six Ds. <laughs> remind, well, yourself, remind yourself every yeah. day. I might be there. Trying to trade you know, the <laughs> <laughs> so part, part of the challenge is you've got to remind yourself that you you know you need to behave a certain way and think in a certain way because things happen, don't they? What we don't, all the natural stuff that's happening subconsciously. You know, we won't get to the end of this podcast where we put these headsets down and think, "All oh, right, how do I walk?" Because I need to walk away from it. You know, because it's a natural thing and it's all in your subconscious. It's all stored in a certain place in your brain. But each time you go to the gym or you engage with somebody, you do have to think. Yeah. You know, and you've got to work hard on it and. You know, and be the best version of yourself and not take your crap to work. You know, leave your bag. We used to say at our work, it would, 
think we called it crap actually. Bags of crap at the door. So you know, when you walk, when I'm a coach, why should I walk through the door? And because I've been stuck in traffic, and because I've had a puncture and I've broken down, and because my wife didn't make me my tea, and because all of these things happen, the first person that or get or people to get it is the gymnast. Yeah. So so it's really hard. You know, I'm just I'm just I know we're labouring the point, but you have to in order to develop and get better, you have to work hard on it like anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else, and and you know the. The gymnast, we could talk about it for hours and hours, but the number of different gym uh, coaches that you've seen in a number of different s- situations that are both inspiring and negative. Some of the things that have been said to Nile at competition, I don't know if we can say them from. Yeah, I think lang- language, language is. Yeah, language, language is huge. You know, huge. Like, d- don't, don't bend your legs. You know, all you don't do fall off. Is bend your legs. Don't, yeah. you know, and I think. Don't I, fall off. I, uh, yeah, the famous ones. <laughs> one of the famous ones I was at major games. And I'm not going to name the coach. Um, I was don't ch- swear. Oh no, you. I'm going to swear. Okay. I, I was chalking up, and the words that were said to me was, "Don't fuck this up." So <laughs> that in me is is whatever level it is is disgusting coaching. It's it's the wrong language. It's the worst. The the last thing I want to hear before I'm about to get on the high bar to compete in the major games, yeah. and. Um, but it's not talked about enough, and I, and I think what you're doing, Nick, is is absolutely oh, brilliant. Brilliant. absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. You can find brilliant. Nick on Instagram. Um, yeah, all the, the usual website, ones. All the usuals. Yeah, Nick Nick Roddick's my handle. You've That's got a amazing. podcast, and um, make sure you check out his website. I think hopefully we'll be chatting this morning. I'm going to be at all the gym cons moving forward. Cause, okay. uh, oh, well, hang on. <laughs> he's heard that oh, it's oh, in Australia now, and he's like, how can oh, I yeah, 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 yeah. get business, business flights to Australia? <laughs> I think it'd be great saying, here's Neil and Niall. Hi, guys. Like, We've been to Australia. They know us. They love us. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> can I just come back to your quick point? Of course you can, yeah. I, um, it felt like we were closing it down, yes. but we don't have Sorry, to. Sorry, I don't want to. I'm, All right, I'm fine, enjoying yeah, this. Fine. Life's good here. Yeah. I'm, I'm moving in. Is that right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, go on then, Nick. We'll just go get a tea. We'll leave you to it. Thanks, mate. Look, you can, you can go. I just, talk. I just like the setup. It looks well good. Um, I was just going to say, I met up with a, a gymnast the other day that I haven't seen for probably 10 years. It's someone that I coached when I was just starting out, really. Right. So I was, I was probably, what, 19. Can, I've done can, my f- can you tell us who it was? Or? Uh, I can't, yeah, Billy McKenzie anymore. So she's from Knotts. So right. I, co- right. I, co- I coached Billy and, um, at Knotts and I was sort of a, a per- my first stab at being a personal coach and, you know, not a very good one. And she is, she just graduated in, in Durham, you see. So, um, and I live in Durham. And she just messaged me and said, uh, you know, I'm graduating next week. It'd be great to, to meet up. It was like totally out of the blue. And I thought, fantastic. You can go have a chat with her. And it's something that I've been meaning and wanting to do for a while. Because I wanted to just ask her, you know, what is now your memories of your time with me coaching you? Right, um, right. Because I know what my memories are. And I know that I'm, I'm definitely not the coach now than I was then, of course. You'd, you'd hope not you know, 10, 15 years later. Um, but a lot of that was about use of language. I used to call her the sloth because she was so slow at everything. You know, she'd, ch- she'd chalk up slowly. Right. She'd move between the apparatus slowly. She, like, everything about her was like in slow motion. That's just her character. And so obviously... So you were reinforcing I the was slowness reinforcing by that. calling her sloth. I call yeah, it a yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah, I start, yeah. And then, you know, you start living and breathing that. And we just, don't get me wrong, we had a lovely conversation. It was a really nice sort of like 90 minutes together and just uh, reminiscing about all the good stuff stuff and um but we talked about all these things and it's yeah. amazing what they retain and what they um what they live and breathe now you know based on 
what they've been told for their whole lives. And oh, so what was, your, what was your feedback then? Um, she said that she she's only really got great memories and, and oh, you know, yeah, yeah, it was really nice actually for yeah. me because I, I was going in there thinking, oh, geez, I, it would crush me yeah. if she, yeah, yeah. she had a negative feeling. Um, because when you've got a 12-year-old in front of you, you don't, certainly when you're when you're that inexperienced as a coach, you don't understand that knock-on effect, you see. So so language was definitely something that we talked about a lot. Yeah. You know, what were the things that I used to say and that, that yeah. she liked and maybe didn't like? And, just an honest conversation. Um, but I think that was the key point that you then realised how much of an effect yes, you had on Yes, that's kind of how I got onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 20, how old is she now? 22, 23? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, yeah. Just graduated university. She still stuff. remembers that time. Mm. And I remember my time back through my childhood with my coach that had a huge you know, effect in my career, in my life, yeah. in my beliefs, and where I'm at today. Sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. Um, but yeah, I think... That's a, that's a good message to end on, you know, for coaches to remember. I am not just teaching this kid a forward role. I am changing their lives. Yeah, 100%. We've, we've yeah. talked about that, you know. And, and the self-language, the self-talk, yeah, the things yeah. that you tell yourself, Everything. I can't do this, I'll never do that, I'm not good enough to do this. It's yeah. just those are the limiting beliefs that you're cementing Absolutely. in your mindset. So I think, yeah, language to others as well as yourself is just is critical and when, and when you know the, the language about can and can't is sometimes sometimes it is can't but it's just can't now yeah can't isn't yet. it you know and i we we talked a lot about um part of the challenge and i think it's it, it is very very prominent in this sport and very important for the sport is people measure against perfection you should measure against progress not perfection so even though you can't yeah, that means I, you can't right now. You will be able to in the future. And what progress are you making towards it? So, so if you say, you know, if people say, "No, I can't do a casino." Casino is probably a bad example. So it's just a big thing, isn't it? But can't do can't, a straddle over vault. Can't do a straddle over vault. Can't do a. So it means you can't do it right now. But his progress towards it is he can run to the vault and he can get over the vault. But he just keeps catching his foot on it. So all the language around that. You've made me feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sleep easy tonight now. Well, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, all the language should be about the progress you're making towards it. So measure against progress, not perfection. What yeah. what progress are you making towards this, whatever this thing is in gymnastics or life or anything else? Love it. Love it. Right. Thanks, guys. I've enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, thanks, no, for, thank thanks, thanks so much for coming. No problem at all. I, found out I could talk to you, Nick, for about the next three or four hours. Yeah. Easily. Amazing. Uh, Feeling is uh, mutual. And I... I I think some some of the 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 things you said were just brilliant, and it, and you know, we the part of what we talk about with this podcast is to engage, inspire, and put a smile on your face. And hopefully, this podcast has done those three three things. It certainly inspired me. Hundred percent. I look forward yeah. to seeing where it goes. I'm sure it's yeah. going to be a massive yeah, hit. Yeah. So. Thank you. Well, at so least I know I'm going to be on stage at your next do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I think we'll, we'll finish well. We just mentioned we are. It's live now on the podcast. Then anyway. we, are, we yeah. are setting up now Wilson Gymnastics. We bought a gym club in Rotherham, and right, we've got big ambition <clears throat> of building this empire. We want. My dad said fifty. Yeah, I'll go hundred. Okay, <laughs> I'll go hundred and fifty. So a hundred and fifty now Wilson Gymnastics clubs across the country, getting people involved. Well, across the world. I don't. I know we're shutting down, but can we just just mention that? I I'd like to keep mentioning it. So the numbers are. 1.2 million kids on waiting list to do gymnastics would be if people didn't cap the list nearer 2 million, according to British Gymnastics. Right. That's yeah. staggering, isn't it? So, 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 so our goal... Our goal... Is to put a dent... You want to, de you want to deplete the waiting list. Dent yeah. in that and get everyone involved. And that, that's just kids. We're not talking about adults. Adults, I want to change the game in the, the adult arena because yeah. I think... 
if you did gymnastics three times a week, you'd have so much fun. Your body would look unbelievable at 51 years old. I think it does already. Well, now. yeah, I mean, it's a bit harsh. Look to progress, not perfection Honestly. I'm juicing, I'm juicing. And, and it's, it's just, it's accessible for everyone. We've mentioned it, you know, those, it, it'll be everywhere on social media, hopefully very soon. Sure it will. And we're on this journey, we're yeah. on this empire, and we want amazing people, like we've described, to be a part of our team. And the coaches, you know, you know, definitely look out for for the future of now Wilson Gymnastics. You're going to be working with, with me and my dad's. All around probably, the country. Yeah. And, All around you, the country. You know, listen to dad chat about his boring gardening stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was jealous because he doesn't have a garden. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I do. They dad built one outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's my garden. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure you're watching, viewing, subscribing. Um, all Lick's handles will be linked below. On, I don't even know much about podcasts right now. No, They'll no. be somewhere. I was um, going to say, can people leave comments on podcasts? Yeah, make sure you leave, leave your so comments. This is what been taught to say. Right. Make sure you're leaving a five star review. With a comment, well, leave it one star if you think it's a one star, but leave yourself. Yeah, be honest. You. Be, you be completely you. honest, and we can't wait to hear your guys' feedback. We love you so much. Train smart, keep it real, get your merch. Bye. Bye.